0: Pinscour brought their first half of the regular season to a close with a win on match day nine against St. Johan. The FCPS show is here to look at all the action from that game and around the leagues as well. Welcome to the FCPS show. My name's Tom Midler and I'm joined by Lee Wingate to look at what FC Pinskau Salfelden managed on match day 9 of the Salzburg Regional League season. That is halfway through the regular season campaign already. How quickly that has gone. But uh, at the very least, after a difficult first half to the campaign, Pinskau were able to finish off with a victory against the last unplayed opponent, Sankt Johan. It was a fully deserved win, 2-0 in the end goals from Dominic Kirchner as a free kick in the first half put us in front and Jatta sealed the deal late on with a header from a corner. It was never really in doubt, but I know we've looked dodgy in these positions in the past when we've been 1-0 up at half time. So at very least, we got the job done and uh, managed to finish it off after a 1-0 halftime lead and uh, keep the three points at home in South Eldon.
1: Yeah, a very positive result for us all round. Uh, I think we looked very comfortable for the most part. Solid defensively. We had a lot of the ball. Um, when we did have the ball we created chances as well. I suppose that for me the only downside would be the fact that we're still not managing to convert those chances from open play. I think I think the goals were weren't they? They were a corner kick and a free kick so two set pieces which seemed to be a uh, Something that we're resorting to a lot this season. So, yeah, I think that's the one thing, uh, as Christian Zieger said in this post-match interview, that he really wants to work on because we're not, still not converting those chances from open play and perhaps against a better team than than TSV Sankt Johann, We may have been punished for that.
0: I think you're absolutely right to identify that. That's definitely the one downside from what was on the whole a very, very positive performance and a very positive result. If you look back to some of the losses that we've suffered in recent weeks, uh, SK, for example, where we lost 3-2, Kuchel most recently, where we lost 2-0 uh, just last week, we had chance after chance from set pieces in those games as well, but we didn't get any goals from set pieces, especially against Kuchel, They were heading those all out of the box. No worries. Against SRK we actually got some goals from open play, but we didn't make anything of the set pieces, of the corners. Uh, we suffered from those rather than creating from those. So on the one hand, it is nice to get back to uh, goal-scoring form from set-pieces. But it does seem to be a big kind of rider for us this year. If we do well in a game from set-pieces, we can win the game. If we don't do well from set-pieces, we're really in trouble. And, you know, imagine last night's game against Sag-Johan. If we hadn't made the breakthrough from Kirchner's free kick... Would we have found the breakthrough from open play? I'm not sure you can confidently say that we definitely would, although it definitely would have been deserved. And, you know, it's it's a running theme, isn't it? You know, how many chances did we create in that game? And it's worth pointing out, Sankt Johann had nothing. Brilliant that Henrik Wigetnik in goal uh, had such a quiet evening. Another set, uh, another clean sheet for him, which is is great to see. But honestly, he wasn't tested at all. I just remember him having to jump up and claim a couple of long balls under not a great deal of pressure and I don't remember him saving a single shot or, or Sankt Johan having a single chance so you know if we hadn't broken through it would have been an absolute nightmare really
1: Yeah I was thinking that when I was writing the match report last night I'd, I'd laid out all of the the main things that I wanted to cover and then I thought well there's not a single Sankt Johan chance in here and they really didn't have a sniff but like you say it was was perhaps you know it was down to us to to kill the game and and we didn't really do that. I mean once Jatter's header went in later on, I think we were probably comfortable at that point, but it was it was a little too nervy for a little too long, I think for my liking
0: yeah, I alluded to that on the commentary too, and it wasn't nervy because Johan were threatening or doing anything. It was nervy because we were one nil up and one nil up has been uh, a really Tricky scoreline for us this season, you know that that has not been that has not been in any way a guarantee of us getting points. So, uh, you know, we we did the job and we've got to be thankful for that. That the team held Saint johan really at arm's length this time, much like Kuchel had done to us actually in the last game. And you know, both of those games were were two nils. This time we were on the right side of it. It does us some good in the league table. You know, things are going to be difficult for the rest of this season, halfway through. Uh, we're still in that midfield bunch, but this has kept us in the running in the midfield bunch. A couple of results have gone our way. You know, we can't be worrying about teams elsewhere at the moment. We've just got to get the job done ourselves. And we did that. So, you know, the, min- the minimum requirement for this game against St. Johan was three points at home. And we got those in the bag. So it's, uh, you know, it's much more positive. It's always nicer to talk on the podcasts about the game once that's happened. I'm trying to think of some of the big chances and some of the big things, but Tandari on his 300th appearance, what a milestone that is. played for over a decade for FC Pinsgall, Salfelden. Unfortunately, despite coming close on several occasions, goalkeeper Dominic Valtel denied him time after time. And uh, he couldn't even get the tap in at the end because Christopher Fursteller nicked it came in just in front of him and unfortunately blazed it wide but credit to Tandari after I, I think he put in a really good shift and uh, it was so unlucky not to be on the scoreboard yesterday on that milestone appearance.
1: Yeah I was desperate for him to score on such a special occasion it didn't quite come off I think I really have to praise Dominic Valtel for that save I think in the 13th minute or it was towards towards the, um, the start of the game where Tandari did a sort of downward header and he sort of clawed it away from the bottom corner. Kind of reminded me a bit of of that classic Peter Schmeichel save against Rapid Vienna all those years ago in the Champions League. If you don't remember that, it's worth googling Schmeichel versus Rapid Vienna. He kind of just got down and and turned it behind for a corner. I thought he had a very good game, actually. Um, And there were some other chances as well. I think at the start of the second half, there were a few breaks. I think once Schubert was in a really promising position, spotted Gverzja at the back post, couldn't quite find him. And I feel like this is a matter of fine-tuning, these are such small margins and at the moment we're not getting the small margins right, but I don't think it would take much for suddenly the floodgates to open and I don't think I'm calling myself uh, an excessive optimist for thinking that either. I feel like there are just a few small things that we need to iron out and the goals will come. You look at Reichel's chance in the first half as well, hit the post, um, You know, these are that's a matter of luck as well really. Um, so you know I think at least we can say that the opportunities are coming because it would be worse if we were literally creating nothing you can work on conversion it's a lot harder I think to work on creation in the first place
0: yeah it's definitely been the ongoing theme of this podcast no doubt about that this chance conversion is still not really coming good for us we could have won five nil yesterday like you said it is nice that we're creating chances that does make you feel better but at the end of the day it leaves you with a feeling of frustration too after the game and the the chance that you picked out there f- at first from Lucas Schubert, when he was free on the right-hand side and had the chance to go himself, it looked like, from the camera angle at least, that he would have been able to get a shot in from the angle before a defender closed him down or pass into the middle, of Vosjar in space. It's like the players are getting caught in two minds a little bit and you can see how long after he put that pass into the middle and it was intercepted and, and cleared away by Johan. He stayed on the ground with his head in his hands for a long, long time because he knows as much as anybody at Pinscout this season that that has happened far too many times. And it's not always been him. Far from it. You know, he's, that's just one occasion. But he knows that we've had several chances. We attack down the wings better than we attack through the centre. We get the ball to the right or the left hand side of the penalty area. We play a ball across and it is cleared, almost without fail. It doesn't matter how good the chance is, we never seem to be able to find those targets. And if you do, you know, if if Schubert's ball was maybe a foot further forward, just evades that first defender, it's pretty much a tap-in for Vosjar. You know, we've worked ourselves into some really, really good positions, and we are just not converting them. And yeah, thankfully, we weren't punished. And it just gives the feeling, I, I still get this feeling, without wishing to be too bitter about it, that refereeing decisions are not going our way this season. People are out to kind of stop us in our tracks really and when you're at 1-0 up you're always giving the chance for some little piece of of bad luck or a kind of contentious decision something to go against you and all of a sudden the game's gone and you know mentally it's really really difficult so it would you know it would make us breathe easier on the sidelines and and watching the game and, and the fan owners as well I'm sure it would really be nice for you guys too if we could get a few more goals in the guys and girls watching the games from from around the world could breathe a lot easier When we're not just at one nil all the time and uh, yeah just we need to kill these games off earlier
1: in the end again it was jatter that that did get that goal and he had a a really good game i think you you mentioned refereeing decisions there i think that was something that was frustrating for i know you and i spoke you know on whatsapp yesterday about the game and we were talking about how every time jatter jumps he's getting penalized simply for being tall so i think that was that was a little bit frustrating yesterday but in the end, he was the one that, that got the goal, his third goal of the season as well now, which means he's our top scorer and I think the fourth highest scorer in the division, which is not too bad for a guy that's playing in the middle of a back three right now. So, uh, yeah, another great performance from him. He was probably the standout player for me yesterday, although I say that. Kirshner with a goal and an assist. Um, Schubert was good on the wing as well. And, um, yeah, the, the other guys in the back three, Reichel and, and Ziga, look very, very comfortable too. I think there were a lot of positives all over the pitch in terms of performances. And it's these
0: fine margins. Again, you know, we, we try not to be too results-based in terms of our assessment of performances because that's uh, something that annoys us when we look at other uh, other media forms that are assessing players. It always seems to be, if you've scored, you've had a great game, which is you know, that's not always true. You can have a great game. Like, I think Tandari had a really excellent game yesterday. There's very little extra that Tandari could have done. And he could have had a hat-trick, basically, if the keeper hadn't made a string of really good saves. And then you look at players like Fustala. I think he had a really good game yesterday. Um, uh, Jonas Schweighofer is looking more and more dangerous. The more minutes that he's given on the pitch, they're starting to contribute to the attacking flow. And if Fustala buries that chance at the end, which was a it was a must score. You know, this is a really good illustration of why Jatta at centre back in our back three is our top scorer this season. That is costing us. It is annoying. But Fustala's chance, you know, Moosman it was, the substitute. He's been good when he's come on this season. He's taken his chances quite well. And he burst clear down the right-hand side, cut back in the box. So much time, so much space. We had Sank Johan exactly where we want them. Tandari's getting into the box. Fustala's getting into the box. Somebody else was there at the back post as well. Moosman selflessly squares it across the goal for, uh, you know, they call it like a 100 percenter, don't they, in, in German He's got to hit the target there, first Teller, and he's running in, gets in front of Tandari and puts it high and wide. And it didn't matter. And it was in injury time. And we knew the game was won and everybody could smile about it. But at the same time, that is annoying. And we've got to stop doing that. And and how much confidence would it also give Christopher Fuersteller, the player? You know, if he smashes that into the top corner or side-foots it into the basically empty net... He gets the goal. We win three nil. It bu- it builds everybody confidence. It, it, that's what helps you build momentum. You know, you don't build that much momentum off the back of a one nil win against Anif. You know, it was a great win and it was a great goal that won us the game. But you build a bit of momentum by being able to win these games a little earlier on and, and just sort of enjoy the moment a bit more. And, and we're, d- we're still struggling to do that. And I'm trying not to be too negative about it because, you know, it was a great performance and, and we, we got the job done. But I'm glad we've got another test coming up in a few days. Also at home in South Eldon, haven't had too many home games yet this season. And we are playing Val now in a repeat of match day one
1: yeah and I think in fact that game was only just over a month ago, wasn't it? five or six weeks ago? I think the season kicked off for us on the eighth of August. Valsgrenauer, I think, as of the time of recording bottom of the table, if Grodig did beat them, which I think yeah, they did. thumbs up from Tom, so yeah, Valsgrenau, bottom of the table. we've already beaten them once, and you know this is a must 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 win game like like they all are now if we we have any promotion ambition still they they're all must wins but but this one against the team below us in the league we absolutely have to win it and I have to say I think I wasn't overly impressed by Vaz Grunau on the opening day we had a little wobble I think when we I think we did concede one in that game but but otherwise uh, I think it was relatively straightforward so I'd hope for that in our first six point week of the season
0: yeah that was a tale of things to come actually on match day one wasn't it we were one nil up cruising Jatta header so all of these things have happened plenty of times before this season and then Valsgrenau scored out of absolutely nowhere to equalise which was again something that would plague us in that first half of the season but then you know we were able to score Cooksley got that goal uh, missed another chance from open play so again something which has been a theme for us this season so in many ways the Valsgrenau game was a bit of a microcosm but we did come out with it uh, with the win that time so I'm hoping we can do that again in South Elden interesting to see the way that the league's developed and you're right it has only been a really short amount of time you know only a few weeks since we started that off so it's really interesting to go back into these games against the same opponents and I think some of those opponents have developed in that time some of them have probably dropped off a little bit some of them were lucky to beat us in the first place so there's a you know there's a a case for a bit of revenge in this in this run down the home stretch but I don't think you're being too dramatic by calling it a must win if we're being Truly honest. I think the win against St. Johanna's confirmed that we are kind of, we don't deserve to be down at the bottom of the table, but at the same time we're in our rightful place. If you look at the comparison between where we are this year and, and last year, we've got 13 points from the first half of the regular season and we finished last season with 42 points. 42 points was what you needed to get into the top two. And obviously if you play the same as we did in the first half, we're going to end up with 26 points. So we'd be a country mile away from the top two if we continued with the form that we've got that might happen. You know, hopefully we can pick up some more points. But if you take 42 as the barrier for entry to the top two, I don't think it will be quite that high this season because you don't have a team like Bischoff-Sofen last year losing every game. So so other teams are beating each other a bit more and picking up, you know, spreading around the points. You also don't have a team like Esakar last year who are basically beating everybody. So it will it will be a tighter race this year. But that does show, you know, the difference between the what what was it 21 points would have been the halfway mark last season and 13 this season that's a big difference that's not too far off an extra sort of 45 percent in terms of our points
1: I think I'm right in saying that the third place team got 33 so I guess 34 would have been enough um, for second place and we're not a million miles off of that if we'd got one more win so perhaps there are some some similarities but yeah it is must win and I don't know, I, I would estimate there are nine games left and we, we probably need to win seven of them. I think that's probably an an accurate estimate and obviously that's going to be a tall order with, with some of the, the teams that we know we struggled against in the first half of the season. But we need to try and be optimistic, take each game as it comes and hopefully we can do it.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of must-not-losers in there as well. Maybe I think perhaps seven is, is not an unrealistic estimate of what we need in terms of wins. But there's a couple of games, you know, the teams at the top of the table, if we can hold some of those to draws maybe instead and you know help hope that a few results go our way in other games then who knows but uh, for the most part as we said earlier on really we've got to look at our own performances we've got a chance to do that again against the bottom club Val screen out on saturday so uh, yeah a big chance for pinscow to get another three, three points on the board shall we run you through how it's looking in the table and the other results in the uh, regional league in Salzburg because there were some interesting ones this uh, this week as well not all good for Pinsgau but um, some interesting stuff to cover SKR were beaten 4-0 by Anif we know how good Anif looked against us but uh, 4-0 is massive
1: it's the biggest defeat for four days
0: <laughs> were they also beaten 4-0 on the previous match day
1: yeah by Sickeschen
0: yeah so uh, Little mini crisis for SRK who were nestled in that midfield and, and still are really. But uh, yeah, not, not what you need. Two 4-0 defeats on the bounce. Bischofshofen, they were level with league-leading Kuchel until the 92nd minute. And Matthias Seidel, the same Matthias Seidel who scored two goals against us just a few days ago, he got his second goal of the game to beat Bischofshofen in injury time. Uh, so that was a big win for Kukul, and uh, I think we would have preferred a draw there. So that was a little unfortunate, but never mind. Credit to Kuchel for that. They are d- deserving of their place at the top of the table right now. Grudig in tonight's game beat Grunau 3-1. So that's three on the bounce, I make that, for Grudig. And they've gone up to nine points. So from sitting rock bottom with nothing, they've got nine points on the spin. So uh, impressive stuff. And Grunau in bad form going into the game against us. And uh, Austria Salzburg surprisingly defeated at home tonight by Se-Kee-Shin. Lee's punching the air with delight because that is just about a good result for us. It means Sekiashvili can go ahead of Pinsker in the table, but uh, I'll take that because it stops the top two running away quite so much. Um, Austria Salzburg had games in hand and they still have games in hand, and that meant they could have run away up to 22 points, but now they can only reach as high as 19 points at the halfway stage. So. It's, uh, it's a little bit difficult to give the exact comparison of the league table at the moment because not everybody is exactly halfway through. Some teams have only played eight and uh, others have played nine. But uh, I'll just run you through the table. You've got Kukul top with 19 points from their nine games and a plus 10 goal difference. Austria-Salzburg second with 16 points after eight games. So they could level up with Kukul at the top. And if in third with 13 points Seikyashin also on 13 points Pinskow on 13 points as well but the teams above them have played one game fewer it's worth mentioning as well that Anif have got a plus nine goal difference from their eight opening games which is uh, very very good and they've only conceded five goals in the whole season so uh, one of those being Jatter's Thunderstrike, of course, which is excellent. Uh, Bischof's Hoffman, one point behind Pinskau in sixth. They're on 12 points. Essakar on 10 points. And then down at the bottom, you've got Gruding on nine, Sankt Johan on seven and Valskrunau on seven as well with a minus 11 goal difference. So uh, if we're going to get some goals from open play, we need to do it against Valsgrunao on the weekend, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that perhaps this is a chance for us to work up that goal difference a little bit. It would be nice to get a big win this season. I don't think there have been any big wins yet, so it would be nice to uh, to get one of those on the board. And, yeah, hopefully then after that, I think the next game after that is Salzburg again. So if we can go into that game full of confidence and on the back of a win, then that would certainly be ideal. That is exactly what we're hoping for.
0: Uh, Lee, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened with the other FC pinsgau South Elden teams in the last few days? Because we did get the win against uh, St. Johan. That was very positive. But how did the
1: women's team and the juniors team get on in their most recent fixtures? So they haven't been in midweek action like the senior team have, but both of them played at the weekend. The juniors drew 0-0 with TSV Unken on Saturday. They're now fourth in the table with 11 points from six games. Uh, four points behind the leaders, uh, who are USC, Salbach, Hinterglem. Um, and then the women's team lost 4-2 away to UFC Bad Vigaun on Saturday. They're now fifth in the table with three points from three games. But annoyingly in this one, they were 2-1 up. So I think it was a, a bit gutting for the for the women's team to then go and concede three goals.
0: Yeah, shall we have a look around the other regional leagues as well? I know you had a look at Faralberg. I'll just round up Tyrol very quickly. Th- these are the leagues, of course, that are the uh, rivals to the Salzburg regional league. So these are the teams that could make up that top six if uh, if Pinska do get into the top two. You know, these top two from each of these leagues will uh, play off against each other in the second part of the season in spring. In Tyrol, it's very very close. So Innsbruck Amateurs are top after eight games with fifteen points. Impst are behind them on 14 points, but they've played the same amount of games. Impst have a massive plus 14 goal difference, which is way above anybody else in the league, and they just beat Innsbruck Amateurs in that clash of the top two, and they beat them 4-0 as well. So uh, Impst have really got the upper hand, perhaps mentally, in that one with a, a big win against their, you know, the only team that they're trailing right now elsewhere, Reichenau are in third, also on 14, so you've got three teams here on 14, and Innsbruck leading with 15, so Reichenau on 14, Kitzbühel on 14 as well, and Reichenau are actually the kind of dark horses right now, because they're top of the form table, and they've only played six games, so that's two games fewer than the two sides above them, so uh, top three, Innsbruck, Imst, Reichenau, Kitzbühel also in there, Kufstein also in there too, but um, in the games this midweek, Kufstein were beaten by Kitzbühel, got a man sent off in that and in the other games, Hal versus Reichenau, that was postponed, hence why Reichenau have got games in hand on everybody else. And the thriller of the week in Tyrol, Telfs 4, Tyrol Amateurs 4, and uh, that was 1-4 at half time. So Tyrol Amateurs were leading 4-1 at half time, and uh, Telfs got three goals in the last uh, in the second half to draw that one. An incredible eight-goal thriller, goals shared, but neither of those two teams are in the top six, so they're not really making up the. Uh, promotion running in any case. But yeah, very, very close in the region league at the just under halfway point. Nobody's quite reached the nine game mark yet. So our league has overtaken them with all these double game weeks. How's it looking even further west in
1: Feralburg League? So, over in Feralberg, FC Lauterach are top of the table. They've got 15 points from seven games, and they're on good form too. They've won their last three games by a combined scoreline of 7-0, to which isn't bad at all for a team that finished eighth last season, so some real progression for Lauterach. At one place below them in second are Austria Lustenau's amateur team. They have 12 points from seven games, so three points fewer Um, Although, curiously, for a team in second place, they have a minus two goal difference. Not quite sure how to explain that. Um, In third, you have, and I never tire of saying this name, World of Jobs VFB Hoennems, who have 11 points, so four off the top, but two games in hand. They're unbeaten in the league, and they've already beaten the league leaders, Lauterac, 5-0 this season, so they'd probably be favourites to to be top, had they played the, the same number of games fourth place, you have Moisberger FC Volfoort with nine points from six games. Dornbirn and Bregenz, who were first and third respectively last season, are in fifth and sixth right now. And then propping up the table, you have Rankweil in seventh, Rotenberg in eighth and FC Ruffix Rettix in ninth.
0: Great name for the team in ninth. I guess the big question is, put your neck on the line, Lee. Are we even going to be playing any of these teams at the end of the season? While it's still possible, I'll say yes. Yeah, the hope is still there and wins like the one we got yesterday are going to keep that hope. Um, Before we finish this episode of the FCPS show, is there anything to talk about from the rest of Austrian football? Because there must be some talking points. The Bundesliga got underway just a few days ago, didn't it? So uh, Austrian football at the top level is back on the agenda now in Austria
1: top level of football in Austria but not a top level of officiating I think it's fair to say um, the Bundesliga did restart this weekend which we were, were very happy to see and Reed were promoted to the top flight at the end of last season after a three-year absence they twice went behind in their game against VSG Tirol but came back twice and then scored a 97th minute winner through Valentin Grubeck But there were four players offside in the build-up to that goal. If you look at the steals um, as the cross was put in from a free kick, it's absolutely shocking. There are four players clearly offside, not spotted by the linesman, and the goal was allowed to stand. So I think VSG Tirol probably feel very hard done by, but they... It did only stay in the top flight by virtue of Mattersburg's relegation as a result of their um, banking scandal and their financial woes. So, you know, they can count themselves lucky to be there in the first place, I suppose.
0: Yeah, elsewhere, Salzburg grabbed a win, didn't they? Linz got an opening day win, last Linz. So uh, the two sort of top teams from last season starting off on the right foot. And Rapid Vienna, who, well, actually Rapid Vienna were second last season, although Linz were the second best team in reality. Um, Rapid Vienna also started with a, a big win. they beat Admira so uh, a great start to them and that gave them a bit of confidence going into a really important Champions League qualifier last night at the same time as Pinscow were just about finishing their game against Saint Johan Rapid Vienna were over in Belgium to play the Champions League third round of qualification against Ghent and unfortunately despite a really really good display they were beaten in that game so it it is a pretty rough one for them to take they got a goal back through uh, Yusuf Demir, a brilliant strike from the youngster.
1: He's a really a good player to watch, Yusuf Demir, if you don't know him. It was a little bit messy, like wasn't it? Cutting in from the right and then firing into the bottom corner with the left foot. Reminded me of a Leo Messi goal. That's a huge comparison to make, but I mean... I'm not comparing them as players, simply the
0: action itself. But I mean, if you were comparing anybody in the Austrian Bundesliga to Messi... I don't think you'd be too far wrong to pick up somebody like Demir. He's a great player, loves to carry the ball forward. Um, Good to see him having shots. You know, he he did that in the cup as well against St. Johan, no less, our last opponents, and uh, ended up getting on the score sheet against them, his first sort of senior start for for Rapid. And now he's playing well in the league as well. And and he's touted as a big move away. And unfortunately, with Rapid out of the Champions League, it does look a little bit more likely that they will lose a few players. But they were 2-0 down in that game. And that was really, really unfortunate for them because actually Rapid had the better chances in the game they they went to Belgium, put in a really good performance, despite you know a difficult summer transfer window and having no money and losing some key players and stuff. They put on a good show and, and they really did their best and I think not too many people would have given them a great chance of going through in the Champions League in any case, but the fact that they were so disappointed to lose that game shows it all. they know that they could have won that and unfortunately, yeah, going down two 0 was just too much, and it was a nice late goal, but it was too late and once more, they had they had a header from Leo Grimal to equalise in the 94th minute, put it just wide. So it was a, a night that wasn't to be for Rapid. And it's quite interesting sort of talking financially. They've got the backup of the Europa League, which I think we are, are all in agreement in Austrian football that actually the, the Europa League is probably a more fitting level for Rapid Vienna. So it's not the end of the world. And, and they have got into the group stages of that, which is a really good uh, fallback. But the money, the financial differences are so big. So... They get three million for being in the Europa League group stages, which is big money for, for a team who are struggling right now. But they would have got five million just for reaching the Champions League playoffs had they won last night. And if they'd have won the playoff, again, that would have been a bit of a stretch for them. But had they, you know, had they continued down that Champions League path, you're talking games for absolutely massive club changing money. You know, five million for last night's game had they won. And then what is it, 12 million if they if they got into the group stages of the Champions League or perhaps even more?
1: I think it might be around fifteen, but I can't remember. That was a, a while ago that we did that over on our other podcast. The other Bundesliga, we talked about the exact figures. I think it might be around the fifteen million mark.
0: Yeah, probably when you combine the playoff money and the group stages money, it ends up being being that much money. But that is a massive, massive difference. And then it, it's you know it's a couple of million per win in the Champions League if they were to get any, and then in the Europa League it's you know a few hundred thousand per win, which is still it's it's absolutely brilliant. It, it's massive money, but you know they've they've dropped down from the the huge huge money games to the kind of good money games and and yeah it was unfortunate but that's sort of how how european football works you know the prize money over here for for getting through these rounds of qualification is is really huge and for austrian clubs that makes a very very big difference so a disappointing night for rapid despite a very very good performance and uh one more european tie to come this week is hartberg you know, they're, they're a good example for us of a, as a small club from a, from a small town who've pushed on and done really, really well in the Austrian Bundesliga last season. They've got their first ever European tie away in Poland against Piast Gliwice coming up this week. So they flew off to Poland today and we wish them very well for that. Uh, yeah, all the best of luck to everyone at TSV Hartberg. And yeah, I, I hope that Pinskow can emulate what Hartberg are doing, to be honest, because
1: they're, they're a brilliant example very much worthy of their first appearance in european competition it's going to be tough though because if they were to get past piask say they either have is it copenhagen or gothenburg so tough opponents for their level really so i think one step at a time if they can get past piask say tomorrow night thursday night that is then then that would be a great achievement already yeah, first European game in their history
0: is uh, a great achievement whether they win or lose, I would argue. But if they can put up a good showing and uh, get past Piaz then they'll be celebrating wildly, I'm sure, in Hartberg. Should we wrap it up for there? Yeah, Lee's nodding his head. So uh, we can finish this podcast episode satisfied with three important points thanks to Dominic Kirchner and al Jatter's goals against Saint Johan. And we'll be looking forward to the game on Saturday against Valskunau, our first second game against the team of the season so uh, interesting to see how they've developed over the last few weeks and months and interesting to see what we can offer against the side that we beat 3-1 on the opening day hoping for a repeat of that or better. This has been the FCPS show. It's recorded, produced and edited in Vienna, Austria for FC Pinskau Saalfelden. And if you're interested to find out more about Europe's unique fan-owned club model, then why don't you head on over to wefunder.com forward slash fan owned dot club and find out everything that you need to know about this incredible opportunity to become a part owner of a European soccer club.